with Will Brewer. I am Colby Daniels. Will, my friend, how are you on this fight week as uh, we transition from one fight card to another? We're just, what, 10 days out from another pay-per-view card in the UFC. What's happening, my man? Man, you know, we're uh, ramping up with these fight nights, man. Uh, we had a pretty solid one last week, and now we got a pretty interesting main event coming up on Saturday, man. It's, it's going to be pretty exciting to watch. Do you have the Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal bug yet, or has, uh, is, has that not quite sunk in? Yeah, that, that was actually the question I wanted to ask. Like, uh, what's your, what was your thoughts on uh, like, how are you feeling about Masvidal Covington 10 days out? Man, I, I haven't got it yet, to be honest with you, man. I, I haven't got it. I think on fight week, I'll probably feel a little differently. But um, 10 days out, man, I'm, I'm not, not necessarily there yet. I mean, I like the matchup, you know, the storyline and everything. But, man, I'm, I'm not as excited as I thought I would be. I'm uh, I, so my answer to that question is conflicted because my expectation of what that fight is going to be, I'm solidly on like one side of that and how I think the fight's going to go. I will say, and I don't remember if it was last weekend or if it was the pay per view card two weeks ago, that fucking promo they ran was out of this world awesome. Like it gave me goosebumps watching the promo, and I was like, oh, yes. But then, after, again, after the, the initial excitement from the promo wore off, I kind of once again landed on, I kind of feel like I know how this fight's going to go, but yeah, we'll see. Look, regardless, by the time we get to next Wednesday, right, like, and, and we're having press conferences and stuff, Yeah. what should have happened with the Francis Ngannou Surreal gone fight card is going to be what happens next Wednesday. It's going to be making the ESPN rounds, right? It's going to be, I think, uh, mainstream sports headline. It, absolutely, because the UFC views both of these guys as superstars. There's a reason why there's no title attached to this fight. It's just uh, all about the storyline, all about the former uh, best friends turned bitter rivals. You know, the big superstar in Masvidal, Kobe Covington, has uh, has built himself into a superstar with his with his character and, and, the, and the things that he says. Um, so yeah, this, this fight's going to be all over the media rounds. You know, ESPN, Fox, like all the big major players uh, are going to be covering this and. Unlike what happened with Francis and Surreal, I mean, I don't even remember there being a big, big-time promo video like uh, Jorge and Colby got. Exactly. That might have been something kind of slight, but it wasn't anything like uh, what Mazinal and Covington is. And then you see, I was scrolling on Twitter, and there's like a, like a, an American Top Team little documentary of, of interviews of like all the fighters talking about how much they hate Colby. All just and how shitting much, on know, Colby Covington, yeah. It, it, exactly. So like, uh, you know, watch it. When I watch that, when I see the media rounds next week, I'll, I'll probably be more geeked about it because it kind of makes you forget about the fight itself and makes you think more about the storyline. And that's what's most important in this whole thing is the storyline because that's what's going to make this main event worth watching for sure. It's an awesome main event. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about the card next week. Uh, unfortunately, last Saturday night, we didn't get to watch Rafael Faziv and RDA. Um, that is the co-main event on this card, so and it's going to be a five-rounder, so they, they are sticking with the main event five rounds for this matchup, even though it's a co-main event here, but I love that matchup, uh, A, for both of those guys, right? I mean, somebody's going to walk away from that as a big-time contender at 155, which is already stacked at the top, but yeah, I mean, by the time we get to Colby Covington and, and Jorge Masvidal, again, I think even though I'm, I'm pretty solidly on how I feel that fight's going to go, I mean, it's it, it. You know, you you lock the door, and anything can happen. And just knowing how much these guys hate each other, there there is an added element to this where you kind of think like kind of like a rivalry game in football, right? Where yeah, even absolutely. if one team seems like they're way better, you add the element of rivalry and emotion, and maybe uh, not not fighting the smart game plan, if you will. And next thing you know, it's it, it's maybe a different storyline. So just to see those guys right walk to the middle of the octagon, not touch gloves, and all that's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, and, you know, the more that we're talking about this, I mean, the more excited I am about the presser. Like, you forget, like, they're going to have a press conference. Uh, what what kind of suit is Kobe Covington going to wear? Are they going to be able to uh, even speak to the media, or are they going to be at each other's throats the, uh, the entire time? Uh, the ceremonial weigh-ins is going to be exciting. You know, everything leading up to the fight is going to be exciting. Even, you know, watching Bruce, like, inter introduce those guys is going to be fun. Uh, seeing them walk to the center of the octagon, knowing that it, it's time. And then, you know... The fight's going to be what it is. I mean, there's going to be so many questions going in. But like you said, there's a uh, if you're a hardcore MMA fan, you've been following the sport, there's a there's a certain path for one of the guys. If he fights smart, you know, you kind of know what's going to happen. But, you know, anything can happen in this sport. We've seen it happen with both of these guys. We've seen um, Kobe Covington go in there with Robbie Lawler, completely shut him down. We've seen Jorge Maslow go in there against Ben Askren, 
five second knockout. So anything could happen. Uh, with with both these guys, and I, that's what makes this fight intriguing. Yeah, and it's being able to manage the emotions and the ego that that helps drive why this is a pay per view main event. And I think for me, will you know? Again, I, I feel a certain way about that fight, and we'll talk about that next week. But I'm really curious to see what Colby Covington looks like when we get to the press conference next week, because Colby sells himself, right? Like for as much as he may not like Usman, like a lot of all of that is the shtick of Colby Covington playing the villain role, trying to help do his part to sell pay-per-views. And sure, he doesn't like Usman, but a lot of that is played up and it's part of his character. I'm curious to see what he looks like on Wednesday because he doesn't need to pretend to hate this guy to that level yeah. for that to come out. So is it exactly the same? Does he does he kind of play the same character in this that he normally does? Is it a, a darker type of character that he plays does he look more serious because there is real emotion in this and you have to in some way keep that in check so maybe you don't get carried away with fighting a dumb fight like I'm really curious to just look at the overall demeanor of Colby Covington and how he handles himself when we get to the press conference next week yeah I you know that that's uh that's pretty interesting I didn't even think about that yeah you know there isn't going to be a lot of emotion attached to this because you know like you said at the beginning, these guys were best friends. You know, uh, Masvidal has said on numerous occasions, like Kobe's, you know, slept on my couch. You know, Kobe said a lot of a lot of uh, disturbing things about Jorge Masvidal's family, about his ex-wife, about his kids. Like Kobe's went, he's he's done a lot of low blows to Masvidal. So um, I wonder if he's going to keep that same energy when they're, you know, at the presser. And how is you know Masvidal going to you know react to that? Um, yeah, you know. I think when when he's going to be up there, uh, I think we are going to see a darker Kobe Covington because it's going to be real. It's going to be authentic. You know, we're not going to I don't think we're going to see we're going to talk about Kobe Covington and be like, oh, man, he's such a clown. You know, all this stuff is just an act. Like some of the stuff he was saying with Usman uh, talking about his dad being in, uh, incarcerated and stuff. You can just tell that was just an act. He was really just trying to get it really, really played up. And then I think that's why uh, after the fight with Usman, he kind of just went up to him like, you know, I'm just trying to sell the fight. I'm not, I'm not really trying to you know disrespect you. So. But with Masvidal, he is completely trying to disrespect him. Uh, this is personal. Uh, he means everything that he says. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, that that will really set the tone. And um, if if somebody out there isn't already excited for what that's going to be, I think um, again, if there's big fireworks on Wednesday, the promotion for that fight in the days from Wednesday till Saturday is going to be out of this world. And and you know, again, there's a reason why this is a pay per view main event and there's no belt on the line or anything like that. So right around the corner, man, it's hard to believe that we are, what, 10 days away from the third pay-per-view card of the year already. Yeah, that is pretty pretty amazing, man. I kind of like how the UFC has really structured this because, like, it's like you kind of, you know, come down from that from one pay-per-view and you got the next one. Like, you come down from the, from the next pay-per-view, you get the next one. Um, you know, we're putting Izzy and Rob to bed, and then now we're, go, we're getting right into uh, Covington and Masvidal. And then at, right after that, uh, a couple weeks after that, we'll have a, a big pay-per-view in April. So, yeah, I like how the UFC has uh, structured their pay-per-view schedule. Speaking of uh, pay-per-views, I saw the poster that Yuri Prohaska tweeted out earlier this week. I, t I, I texted it to you. It's Glover Teixeira and Yuri Prohaska. It's Justin Gaethje and Charles Oliveira. And then it's Michael Chandler and Tony Ferguson. Good Lord, Will. If... if uh, if that thing ends up being set in stone and that's what we see, I think I'd, I'd set you a text. I'm having a party that night, like <laughs> having people over. We're going to have the, the full food spread. That will be an unbelievable fight card. Yeah, because you just know all three of those fights are going to be wars. Like I, I texted you back and I said war, war, <laughs> right. and war. Like all of these fights are going to be wars. You know, just the, the stylistic matchups of all of them. You know, you know that at some point, um, Glover and Yuri, they're going to start on the feet. And you know how exciting Yuri is. Uh, Gaethje and Oliveira. I'm so impressed with how Oliveira has been just in these guys, these these killers, Michael Chandler, uh, uh, Dustin Poirier, how he just runs across the octagon and is in their face. I don't know if that's going to be the best recipe for success against a Dustin Gaethje, but if that's how the fight starts, that's going to be a war from the jump. And then we know what Michael Chandler brings to the table. We know what Tony Ferguson brings to the table. All three of those fights are absolute wars and uh man those are those are three fights that there's no coming down from i don't know how the ufc yeah. gonna like put those like on the on a card i mean i guess you might have to start with ferguson and chandler like at the beginning but like can you imagine we go from chandler and ferguson to gaethje and Oliveira to yuri and glover Unreal. like back to back to back 
we're gonna be we're gonna be freaking out. <laughs> yeah. So so Yuri and Glover is confirmed for UFC 274. Gaethje Oliveira is confirmed for UFC 274 again, assuming that that nothing else happens. And then I think they're still waiting to get the Chandler Ferguson deal done. I don't think that's a done deal yet. But if that thing again does come to fruition, none of those nobody gets hurt. Nothing has to be moved. That that uh, three fight stretch on a pay per view is absolutely worth the price of admission. And I've got to mention this as well. I I, I just saw um, like 30 minutes ago. So I don't know the, the exact details on this. You might have to help me. But I just saw like 30 minutes ago on, uh, I don't even know if it was Twitter or Instagram or what it was, but something that said Max Holloway has volunteered to be a backup fighter for Volkanovsky, Korean Zombie, which was supposed to be Volkanovsky, Max Holloway, until he got hurt and Korean Zombie took his place. So is it my understanding that Max Holloway has now volunteered to be a backup fighter for a fight that he pulled out of because of an injury? Yeah, so um, let me see if I can get this all out. Um, so uh, Max Holloway got hurt. They were scheduled to fight in March. Max Holloway pulls out. He gets hurt. Um, the Korean zombie steps in. Uh, so Max, after the fight was kind of basically not necessarily signed, but they was kind of it was pretty much confirmed. Uh, they were trying to see what what date was going to be right, and then it got moved to April. So Max comes to the UFC, says, uh, I'm, you know, it's not going to take as long for me to get ready. I could uh, potentially fight. Um, so they were actually looking to make uh, Max Holloway and um, Josh Emmett for March uh, 26th, I believe, the Columbus card. Okay. But uh, that fight didn't end up materializing. So Max ended up saying, uh, I'll just be the backup for Volkanovski and Korean Zombie because the UFC didn't just want to take away the, you know, the fight from Korean Zombie after he stepped in and okay. everything happened. So. Max offered to be the uh, backup, and then you know just the timing of it, like uh, the like it was basically confirmed, like okay, in April it's going to be Volkanovski and Korean Zombie, and then now Max is coming out saying, oh, I'll be the backup fighter. Like, yeah. wait, I thought you were hurt. Like, what's going on? Right. <laughs> okay, thanks for clearing that up because I had I had forgot that that was going to be the March card, yeah, and that it got moved to April in the aftermath. So as I read that, I was like, wait, so you pulled out of that fight? <laughs> They book it with somebody else, and then you say you want to be the backup fighter for the fight you pulled out of because of an I was like, what on earth is happening here? But yeah, the fact that it's taking place later, uh, a month later, uh, makes at least a little bit more sense. But thank you for clearing that up. I was like, I this can't be real, or maybe it is, and I'm just missing something here. So um, It's so weird with Max because we never know what his injuries really are. Like We don't know the severity of them, how yeah. long it's going to be out. I think at first there was like a... Uh, notification that came up that said he was going to be out for like six uh six to eight months or something like that so we're thinking max isn't going to be around until like the end of the year and then all of a sudden he comes back like oh uh yeah. well uh, i'm ready to fight now it's just like what like how did six to eight months turn into six weeks like come right. on man <laughs> well and it's also weird because like nobody walking this earth would ever question the toughness of max or the desire to fight or anything right. uh so when you see that he you know he, he pulled out of that matchup and then he's volunteer it's like Wait, this is weird. Like, it's so weird to me because uh, he wouldn't just pull out of a fight for, to, to pull out of a fight. Like, if he says he's hurt, like, zero part of me believes that, that there wouldn't be, you know, anything not right there. So, okay. So, April for uh, Korean Zombie and Vol. What happens if Korean Zombie wins, man? I mean, that shakes that shakes up the entire division, man. And I, I mean, I feel like that's kind of what the division needs. It, it yeah. needs some shaking up. I mean... As of now, it's just Volkanovski and, and Max and then everybody else. But if Korean Zombie just goes in there and uh, upsets Volkanovski, that would really just give the, the entire division a, a jolt, like a, a big shakeup for sure. Yeah. I, I was thinking with the other day with the depth at, I mean, there's multiple divisions. Like, let's, let's, I kind of want to go tournament route in some of these divisions over the next year. Like, with the depth at like 135, 145, 155. I don't know that I feel like there's the same depth at like 170 and 185, um, especially because the champions are just so dominant compared to everybody else. Uh, but I don't think it's crazy for 205. Uh, like, yes, yeah. let's. let's uh, I want to see some eight-man tournaments. Let's do this. Yeah, I mean, I don't style. know. Yeah, like the UFC used to do tournaments for every fight card, and then now it's just like yeah. they act like the, it's the, the, a tournament style is foreign to them. Like, come on, man. It, like, and like you said, in some of these divisions, it just makes perfect sense. And uh, like 205 like you could you, you can imagine like some of the big matches you can make at 205 yeah. 135 uh 145 
I mean, man, the, the, the possibilities are endless. I mean, in some of them, like 145, you probably know, like, Volkanovski and Max Holloway, they're the best of the best. I'm probably going to come out as the last two standing anyway. Yeah. But it would still be fun to see some of these contenders just go up there and really just test those guys. So, yeah, I think they should do a tournament yeah. style too, but I, I don't think the UFC's. uh only they trying to do that. <laughs> well, look, I, I would say this. A year ago, if you asked me if I would want a, an eight-man tournament at 145, my answer would have been absolutely not. Right. It's, it's Max and Volk, and there is a giant gap to everybody else. And all of a sudden, we've seen Yair Rodriguez back and looking fantastic. Calvin Cater just came back and looked as good as ever. Uh, on the opposite side of that, I don't think Giga is going anywhere, and he's certainly somebody to be considered. Josh Emmett in that division is somebody that it wouldn't surprise anybody to, to make a run. I mean, that division is so loaded or it just feels like all the top guys in that division at least have really positive momentum right now that you could really make that work so yeah especially for 145 because there was such there was such a gap uh between Volk and max like you just were waiting just to see like when the next fight between those two guys was going to happen yeah. uh it was really a shot to see ortega really separate himself and get a get a title shot but now like oh, yeah, the, i didn't even mention ortega is, <laughs> Yeah, we hadn't even mentioned Ortega. Like, and now the gap is 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 closing. Like, you got uh, so many guys. Uh, like you said, like Yair, Korean Zombie, Calvin Cater. Uh, you can put Arnold Allen into the mix. Uh, Bryce Mitchell. Uh, he's got a big fight coming up against Barbosa in ten days. So, I mean, so many guys at that division. The division's starting to catch up with those guys. But I say that. But you know, you still got Max, who uh, beat Yair Rodriguez in a very close, not not very close, but a very fun fight that um, Yair did well in. And the same thing with Ortega and Volkanovski. It yeah. was a it was a fun fight, but you could tell who the two best guys are. But the gap is definitely closing. But you can sell it because everybody else in that division now has big time positive momentum, as opposed to even though there's two top guys, you look at the top eight, and it's not like a couple guys have positive momentum, but you know some of them have negative momentum, and some of them are just kind of stagnant. Everybody in that division in the top ten, I mean, you could probably say the top fifteen, all have positive momentum. I mean, Giga lost and i think he got more momentum out of that loss than than you know he would have otherwise brian ortega got positive momentum out of a loss right yeah your rodriguez got yeah. positive momentum out of a loss that's how good the fights yeah. have been in that division so maybe here's what we should do next week so we'll have a week to do this think about all the divisions that you would like to see that in and then give me your your top eight and i'll do the same so whichever so, divisions you would want to see a top eight tournament in as of like where we are today Pick the divisions you'd want to see it, and then give me your your how it how you would seed it, like one through eight. So it's one, eight, four, five, et cetera. Yeah. Okay. For sure. Gotcha. Yeah, we'll do that I, next week. Off the, off the top of my head, I feel like there's like there's a couple of these divisions. I'm like, man, I would love to see an eight man tournament in a lot of these divisions. But yeah, uh, yeah, let's do that. Part of me with one thirty five is like, fucking eight man tournament. Let's go NCAA <laughs> tournament style and throw sixty four dudes out. That division's too deep to go eight. Like sixty four man tournament, NCAA tournament. We'll do it in March. Like, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, because I, I think once you get you, you get past 15, and then you, you could probably list another whole 15 yeah. guys that could really be, like, really uh, tough contenders in this division. So maybe we could, maybe for 135, yeah. we, we should do, like, 16. There we <laughs> go. Least. There we go. I feel like after that top 15 in that division, there are probably 15 more guys I could make a reasonable argument for to have a number next to their name. So Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, so we'll do that. Here's another thing I want to do, um, we, maybe not next week, but uh, in, in the weeks to come. We just got past NBA All-Star Sunday. All-Star game was awesome. It, I, I love the format. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a nerd when it comes to the you know, 75th anniversary and the greatest of all time. And like, I totally geeked out over that with all those guys walking out and, and uh, being in the same. Like, it was so cool. So I was thinking if the UFC were to do something like that, who are the guys like, say it's a big, you know, big pay-per-view and you have like, you know, it's the, how, how, how long has the UFC been around? 20 something years? Since 93. So, Since, okay. Is it 93? 93. I, I think it's 93. I might be wrong, but I think it's 93. Okay. So almost 28, 20, 29, 30 years ish. But if the UFC were to do something like, you know, we're going to have this like anniversary honor, the greatest 30 UFC fighters, like we should uh, pick who would be on that like 30th anniversary team or squad or whatever you want to call it yeah i'm, I'm definitely in on that uh yeah for so, sure yeah we'll do that at some point again with, with us doing the the tournament thing next week we don't have to do it then but uh maybe on one of these lighter uh fight cards we'll we'll throw that out 
All right, uh, so last week we were on the same side, Will, of every single fight on every single matchup on the fight card. Um, I ended up going opposite you in one fight just to go opposite because I felt like we, we were going to pick the same across the board. You go 5-0, and oh, my friend. I go 4-1. and one. I The only one I missed was the one I just decided to go opposite you. I did feel good about it early. It went the other way, um, but we'll talk about all these fights. Will, the main event, we, we spent some time on this last week talking about just the the execution for Johnny Walker and how he could win this, the path to win this for Jamal Hill. I mean, I think from a, from a striking standpoint, especially with the hands, he's, he's as good as anybody in that division. I, I think he might be as good as anybody in the sport. Just, I mean, he's so sharp and, uh, and crisp with his, uh, with his punches. I mean, knockout of the year candidate on Saturday night in the main event. I was, so Saturday was Lauren's birthday. Didn't watch the card live. Woke up early Sunday morning, and somehow, Will, I was able to completely avoid any spoilers whatsoever. So Sunday morning, I'm watching this, not having a clue what happened in any matchup, and we get to the main event, and I'm, like, ready for some big fireworks, and holy cow, Sunday morning, it's early. I'm jumping off the couch. I mean, it's the holy shit, what a knockout. Yeah, man. Uh, First round, uh, you know, I said last week, Johnny Walker is going to have to throw out some some crazy, you know, uh, a lot of his fights, a lot of his wins early on was because of him doing something crazy. It almost got him a title shot. Um, you could tell he was lacking in some areas in terms of skill, and he's trying to address those. But he's not at the level of some of these guys, and he's not at the level of, of a Jamal Hill. Uh, he's still got a lot of work to do. So, you know, I just I thought, man, like you're going to have to find that level of crazy uh, just for you to have a chance because fighting Jamal Hill at a distance. Jamal Hill's too skilled. He was going to find him eventually. But I didn't even think he was going to find him that early. Uh, uh, you know, it just took, I think, a little over two minutes for Jamal Hill to catch him. Uh, Johnny Walker was doing some some things with his kicks early uh, to try to manage distance. But, you know, uh, Jamal Hill got his timing down uh, and then was able to land that big shot. But to see uh, Johnny Walker, big 6'6", six, six, uh, fall like that, uh, I mean, it, it was crazy. Um yeah, uh, to see a guy like that, six six, to get folded basically, yeah. like come on, man, head head is on the on the cage, like it's it was tough to see. Uh, glad that he's okay, but uh, big win for Jamal Hill, man. Uh, I, I've been very high on him for for a while, and he's uh, he had that slip up with, against Paul Craig, but I mean, you can see the skill in, yeah. in the stand up for sure. Like he's uh, he's very very skilled in, in that division. That's a, that's also a tough matchup for a young guy that uh, doesn't hasn't really at least shown how developed he is in, in that area. And, and, you know, Paul Craig got the best of him, but I, I would imagine he's been working on that part of his game. I think, you know, in, in a stand-up fight, he's, he's good enough to battle with anybody in the division. And, you know, I thought, uh, I thought Johnny Walker just needed to be reckless in this thing. And his path to victory was surprising Jamal Hill, I think with a big shot, right? Cause if you are just yeah. going to stand out there and try and, and be more technical than Jamal Hill, that's what's going to happen because Jamal Hill from that standpoint is just, I think so much more sharp and yeah, you're right. I mean, when, when you see Johnny Walker's a monster inside that octagon, when you yeah. see his body just completely go stiff and I mean, it's like a tree falling, right? He's going backward <laughs> and then all of a sudden his head's like on the cage. And I went from jumping up in the air, like, Holy cow. That's cr-, to like, I was like, Oh wait, this could be bad. Like, Right. You know, for as crazy and, and awesome as that knockout was, at the same time you see Johnny Walker laying there like that, you're like, this could be really bad. And so I, I immediately kind of brought it back because, man, that was a, a devastating knockout. And, and like I said, when he's he's laying there and his head's like awkwardly laying on the cage, uh, just unreal, man. Unreal performance for Jamal Hill. Yeah, you know, Johnny Walker, uh, his he's fought some some tough guys, but... He hasn't fought anyone to the level uh, striking wise of a Jamal Hill. And even even then, like Tiago Santos, uh, he's very powerful, but he's not as skilled as uh, as Jamal Hill. Right. Um, uh, Ryan Spann, uh, he's he's tall like uh, Jamal Hill, but he's nowhere near as, as skilled. Um, his his biggest wins are against like Demisha Serkunov and he beat Ryan Spann. Uh, and, and a lot of those wins were because of Johnny Walker doing something crazy. Um he needed to bring that out uh, because we haven't seen him when it comes to using his skill. We haven't seen him uh, be successful. And with Jamal Hill, he's got so much skill. Like he, he shows it off in spades every time he goes out there. Um, Paul Craig was smart in his approach to get the fight to the ground early and to make him grapple because 
fighting Jamal Hill at a distance isn't a good idea for anybody. Um, like you said, I'm sure uh, Jamal Hill has worked in those areas, which makes like having to stand with him even more scary. Um, but he's got he's got tons of potential, man. Uh, if he's able to keep the fight standing, and even if he's able to uh, just work his way on the ground and just be able to get up like uh, Cannoneer did with Brunson, just if he's able to get up and keep the fight uh, standing more than it's on the ground, he can beat anybody. Anybody in that division, he can beat. Who do you want to see Jamal Hill face next? I think there's two options here. Um, I think uh, both of them make sense. I think if you uh, you want to put him up there against a name, and I think it's either Dominic Reyes or it's uh, Volkan Ozdemir, but I really don't think uh, Dominic Reyes coming off of those three losses in a row, I don't think Jamal Hill is the is the right matchup for him. So if I were Reyes, I wouldn't take that fight. But if I were Jamal Hill, like that's a, that's a perfect fight against a former title challenger. Uh, same thing with Ozdemir, uh, a former title challenger. Uh, you beat a veteran in the game that puts you right up there in the in the mix of for a title. Uzdemir is on a, a slide as well, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's lost two in a row, three in a row. Two or three in a row, yeah. Um, I love the, I mean, maybe not the business side of it, like you said, with Dominic Reyes, but just the idea in terms of stylistically what the fight would look like. Dominic Reyes, Jamal Hill would be awesome. Yeah, man, that fight would be awesome because uh, it, I, I do think Dominic Reyes is very skilled on the feet. Um, he's just ran into some really, really skilled guys. Like, you know, John Jones is the greatest. You know, Jan Blahovich has the power. Yuri Prohaska is something that we haven't seen. But Dominic Reyes was performing really well. Uh, I, I do think that um, he, can, he can match a little bit of the skill that Jamal Hill possesses. He definitely has power in his left hand. Uh, he moves really well, uh, you know, former athlete. More well-rounded, so I, think, I think, just in terms of his overall game, right? Yeah, definitely more well-rounded in terms of his overall game for sure. So um, even if, because he was taking down Yuri a few times, so even if uh, Jamal Hill is able to, you know, ma manage distance and stuff, he can uh, bring the wrestling into it. But yeah, I mean, I would love to see that matchup. That would be a pretty, uh, pretty good stylistic matchup for sure. I also don't hate, and I correct me if I'm wrong, but we have Tiago Santos, Magomed Ankalaev coming up soon. I don't necessarily hate Jamal Hill getting the winner of that either. Yeah, especially if it's uh, Ankalaev, man, or even yeah, even if it is Santos, because he was coming off of you know he he lost a few fights before, but um, yeah, I mean both those fights are are fun, you know Ankalaev with his wrestling and even with his stand up, you know we saw him t really take it to Vulcan. I think if um, if Jamal Hill really is like looking for a title shot pretty soon, uh, that's the fight that you look at for for your next one, the winner of that one, because both of those guys, if they win, they're right there when it uh, when it comes to the title shot. Yeah. Co-main event, Kyle Dawkins, uh, round one submission over Jamie Pickett. Um, not a not a big surprise to me. I think we both felt pr pretty solid about uh, Kyle Dawkins in this one and felt pretty solid in, uh, of Kyle Dawkins winning this one via the path that, that he took to victory. Yeah, man. Uh, Kyle Dawkins, he didn't play around. And that's if his, his only path to losing really was if he made a mistake. And uh, he didn't make any mistakes. He fought the smart fight got the fight to the ground and just wrapped him up in the submission, man. Uh, you know, Jamie Pickett's got, he's got power. And if he was to keep it standing, uh, he would have had a better chance, but you know, Kyle Dawkins, he just fought the smart fight. He used um, his strength and was really able to just put Jamie Pickett wherever he wanted and ended up getting the finish uh, uh, for a fight on short notice. I mean, you got to fight it smart. And he did exactly that. Parker Porter over Alan Badeau, a, a, a unanimous decision. Um, I, I'll say this about that fight. I thought Badeau certainly uh, challenged uh, Porter more than, than I anticipated. Yeah, you know, I definitely thought so. I, I thought that Parker Porter was going to get the finish, but um, Badeau fought uh, really, really well. Um, so, you know, of course, Parker Porter won two rounds pretty clear. But Badeau was in that fight, you know, um, a couple of exchanges go, the, uh, go another way. He could have edged out a decision. So uh, he made a good showing for himself. But, you know, Parker Porter did what he had to do to get the win. Uh, didn't really necessarily chase the finish, but uh, did what he had to do. Jim Miller gets the finish over Nicholas Mata. This was the one where uh, we went opposite and you get the point here. Um, Jim Miller, man, how can you not cheer for this guy? And, and just love to continue to see him produce at this age, this amount of experience. The guy just isn't slowing down. And while I thought uh, Mata looked really good early, I mean, this is what we described last week when we talked about this fight. Jim Miller's just been there, done that. He's been through so many of these. If you don't put him away, 
he's going to claw and, and you know, scratch and, and fight his way back in. And he did that and ultimately lands the devastating shot. Yeah, I, you know, I didn't know if Jim Miller had that devastating shot left in him. But uh, for him to land that and uh, to, to end up getting the finish, it was it was pretty wild to me because of how the fight started. But, uh, you know, you could tell that Nicholas Mata has definitely got a um, – uh, a future in this in this game to really put it on Jim Miller the way he did at first, but um, Jim Miller, like you said, he's just been there and done that. He's seen the best of the best. Uh, it's crazy that he's still doing this, man, and he wants to keep doing it until UFC 300 or not. I don't know if that's when he wants to stop, but he wants to fight at UFC 300. Um, man, I don't see him slowing down, man, because he's still giving these young guys hell. Uh, even you know, it, it seems like he's just reinvented, man. It's it's good to see. One of the old guys of the sport just uh, continuing to climb the climb the ranks, uh, and then he calls out uh, the winner of Donald Cerrone and Joe Lozon, and yeah. I would love to see either one of those fights, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I think especially the cowboy fight would would be a, a great seller. The guys won two in a row, Will, and I mean, for as old as he is, I mean, generally when we see guys at this age, legends of the sport, right? I mean, sometimes it it it's a losing streak of like three or four or five before they're kind of pushed out the door. I mean. Could that happen? Sure. But the guy's won two in a row at this age. I mean, I kind of feel like as long as he's not physically declining, like it doesn't feel like the end is within sight or that he's a fight or two away from them maybe pulling the plug on him. So, you know, that's that's the other side of this when you have a, a fighter that's been around that long is he may not be ready to quit, but sometimes, you know, it just doesn't make any sense to keep. But the guy's still winning fights. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think we saw the, the decline. I think we saw that with when he was having uh, the Lyme disease problem. Uh, he fought so many fights with Lyme disease. And I think now that he's not having, that he's kind of got that under control because I don't think it necessarily goes away. I, I'd have to do more research on Lyme disease, but um, now that he's not, now that he's got that under control, I mean, it just seems like he's a rejuvenated fighter that he's just got a new life to him that yeah. he's just like, I don't have to uh, fight with this. I can, uh, I've been able to manage it. And now you can just see it in his performance. Like his performance is completely shifted. And I think, you know, it's added um, more fights uh, to, to his, uh, to his career, man. Joaquin Buckley and Abdul Razak Al-Hassan began the main card on Saturday. I felt like this was either going to be a really great fight or a really boring fight. I think it probably landed somewhere in the middle. I, you know, If you had told me this one was going to go the distance, I would have said probably somewhat of a boring fight. I, I thought there were some really good moments in this fight from both guys. Razak Al-Hassan, I, I thought, afterward just looked completely devastated to, to, to see another one get away from him. But look, I, I'll say this. I, I felt like we got more of him than we have in the past. And it, it, it at least in the aftermath felt like he gave it his all right. He left everything out there and it didn't go his way. But at the end of the day, I thought uh, it was, you know, it was a good showing for him as opposed to maybe some of the other fights that he's been in recently. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a better showing. Uh, I felt like he, uh, I'm not going to say he took the first two rounds off per se, because the third round was a big round for him. But uh, I definitely felt like he wasn't as aggressive in the first two rounds. And I think he knew like he wanted to, be be able to fight uh, at his best in the third round it, it kind of seemed like he was kind of saving himself a little bit and walking Buckley was just fighting the smart fight um but in that third round uh Al Hassan just really uh took it to him uh you know one, one judge saw it for Al Hassan but you know I thought it was a walking Buckley win for sure um after the fight they both looked uh gassed they both was laying on the floor uh just drained but that's what you kind of want to see like both guys give it their best give it their all yeah. um Tough for uh, Al Hassan because you you can tell he put a lot into this camp. He went and uh, he trained with uh, elevation at elevation, so uh, his gas tank was uh, a little better on fight day. But uh, I think he probably might have could have gave him more uh, in those first two rounds. Might have got a, a a better decision, but you know at least he went out there, gave it his all, uh, didn't come out on top. But uh, but you know that's just the way it goes sometimes. As far as the prelims go, if you have any thoughts, uh, feel free to share them. I, I will say this. The second fight on the card, Jonathan Pierce, Christian Rodriguez. It goes the distance. I That was a fun fight. Like, I had a blast watching that fight from start to finish. Um, you know, it wasn't – you didn't get a, a spectacular, like, highlight finish in the thing. But, the, dude, the grappling scrambles in this the whole way were exceptional. Um, you know, Jonathan Pierce and, and that, that wrestling and – the, the pace and just the suffocating nature of, of his style, I thought was awesome to watch. The way that Christian Rodriguez scrambled in a lot of those situations and then, you know, the flashes that he showed in the stand-up, I loved that fight. It was, it was incredible. And Christian Rodriguez, I know he got the loss, but 
to deal with a wrestler that way and to, again, scramble the way that he did in, in a lot of those situations, show the ability, that's a guy that I, I was uh, really excited about in the aftermath. I, I know he lost, but uh, I'll be interested to see what he does going forward because he, he showed some really good things. But that was a fight I just really enjoyed. Yeah, you know, when you're, when you're fighting a guy as skilled as Jonathan Pierce, you know, at least you want to show um, what you can do. Uh, you at least want to make it tough on him. And I feel like Christian Rodriguez definitely did that. Um, one judge had a 30-27. I definitely thought it was 29-28. Uh, great showing by Rodriguez, but Jonathan Pierce just showed that, you know, he's just – he's been there uh, a lot longer. Yeah. You know, he's been around the block. So uh, very good showing by both guys in that one. Uh, how about Chad Skelly uh, in his – I guess it was his retirement fight. Uh, to get the TKO, uh, then Stephanie Edgar in that uh, armbar submission over yeah. Jessica Rose Clark seems like she, um, with her with her judo, uh, it seems like you know she could be a problem at bantamweight. And then David Onama, man, he took Ooh. a punch uh, that really messed up his his vision. Uh, he was uh, he said he couldn't see, but man, getting that knockout at the end, man, over Benitez, that was a, a pretty exciting fight. Um, was it him that missed weight, or was uh, no, it was Benitez that missed weight. So. Um, yeah, you know, for him to go out there and get the finish, man, uh, great showing by David Onama for sure. I don't think we talked about it. Who was at the Who was at the pay per view week that missed weight by like fifteen pounds or something crazy? Oh, uh, William Knight. Yeah, <laughs> holy cow! Like that's like Apollo Costa deal. Like it was just like what? Yeah, you know, he took the fight on short notice. Yeah, but it, it, he didn't even try. Like twelve pounds over. Like two, he, I think he weighed in at two eighteen. <laughs> I mean, I know you took it on short notice, and I, he was trying to tell the fans, like, oh, this is the thanks I get for taking a fight on short notice. But, like, bro, you could at least, like, attempt to cut some weight. He just didn't <laughs> even try. He was like, well, I'm sure my opponent will just take the fight. He fought a heavyweight before because yeah. his opponent went all the way down and and, uh, and and made weight. But, you know, he just didn't even try. So that was crazy to see, man. And then he went out there and didn't even perform well. So Yeah. Wild, man. Wild. <laughs> all right. You ready to make some picks for Saturday? Yes, sir. You got a point on this past fight card, which gives you a two-point lead going into this Islam Mahashev Bobby Green main event fight card. Not a pay-per-view, so main event worth three. All of the other fights on the main card are worth a single point. And, Will, we start with Armin Petrosian and Gregory Rodriguez. Oddshark.com has Rodriguez minus 210 plus 165 for Armin as I'm not going to attempt the last name again. Oh man, this one, this one is kind of tough. I think, um, uh, I don't even want to say it. You know, I don't even want to try to say anything, but Armin, I think he's uh, a kickboxer. I, I remember seeing him on the, uh, on the contender series. Yeah. Last year. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Got, got, got a really big finish. Um, so he's, you know, I think this is his first fight in the UFC. So he's trying to, uh, bring that, uh, into the UFC. Um, man, you know, normally with these contender series guys, I kind of want to, you know, see them uh, in the UFC before I make a, a pick on them. But I kind of, I kind of like his style, so I think I'm gonna go with uh, with Armin in this one. All right, I like it. Uh, I'm gonna go opposite here. I'm gonna go Gregory Rodriguez, and I think for me, I, this is a close fight. But uh, I'm I'm just ultimately where I, I lean here is just the experience level, right? I mean, I, I think that. Uh, you know, having experience versus making your UFC debut. If you feel like it's a close fight, I'm more times than not going to to lean on the guy that has experience. And uh, it also helps that you went the other way. So there you go. So first fight of the main card on Saturday. Didn't, did you say I had a two-point lead? Two-point lead, yeah. Don't I have a three-point lead? Three-point lead. I'm, I, I think. Cause I, I think when I got the points did from I... Cannon and Brunson, that gave me two. Or am I tripping? I might be tripping. You know what? You, you might be. Maybe I'm... Uh, I could be saying it wrong. I have the point total right here in front of me. Let me pull it up. So my point total is 39 going into, and you're at 41. You had a one-point lead. Okay, yeah. okay. I, I thought I, I, I was tripping, but yeah. Okay. I, so I had a two-point lead on you, and then you won a, let's see, which fight was it? That's right. Saeed Nurmagomedov over Cody Stamen was worth three points. So you were down by two, three points for that one and gave you a one point lead and then you added a point. So I remember now. Yeah. Okay. I remember now. No, all good, Um, man. I I, like, don't, don't be afraid to, to point like there's, there's a decent chance that I'm misremembering. I I don't know what's on, I don't know what's on the line this time, but I, 
you know, we got to get all those points. Yeah. <laughs> I make sure I See what kind of lead you have before you uh, say that you're potentially willing to take a shoey. Right. <laughs> I, I get it, man. I get it. Fair enough. All right. So this, this is an awesome fight. And, uh, I, I didn't even know that this fight had been booked until like two weeks ago when I was looking at the card and, and saw Joel Alvarez and Armand Sarukian. This is an incredible matchup. At 155, Armand Sarukian is the favorite at minus 225. Joel Alvarez plus 180. Will this this one should be pretty exciting? Yeah, man. This is uh, uh, you know looking at all these fights on the card. This fight definitely should be like higher up on the card. This is this is like the second most intriguing fight on the card for sure. Um, Sarukian is a guy who gave Islam uh, a tough time. You know we've seen Islam run through guys, but he didn't run through uh, Sarukian at all. And then Joel Alvarez. All he has to do, man, is just get his weight uh, in order. And if he can just get his weight in check, man, he's yeah. going to be a problem in this division. Uh, two guys who, um, like, his last fight, I think he beat uh, Moises, I want to say. Yes, yes. Yeah, in so th- really impressive fashion. Yeah, really impressive fashion. Like, Joel Alvarez is a big dude at 6'3". Um, when I'm thinking about how I think this fight will go, um, I think that height is going to play a factor. Like, if, if Joel Alvarez was, like, 5'11", or even six foot, you know, I, I would feel better about... Sarukian, but the fact that he's six three, uh, he's he's a very good striker. How how much can he maintain distance is my is my yeah. question. Because if he can keep uh, Sarukian at a distance and be able to see the shots coming and um, keep the fight on the feet, then Joel Alvarez has a really good chance to win this. But um, man, this one this one's tough. But uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna feel a little bit more confident in Sarukian's wrestling than I am in Joel Alvarez. Um, being able to keep this fight standing. And on top of that, what is his weight going to be? Like, if he makes weight, how is that going to affect him? So I'm going to go with uh, Sarukian in this one. Sarukian is 5'7". Joel Alvarez is 6'3". <laughs> is that's that's insane. That's insane. That is insane. I mean, you add you add that height difference, and then what we saw Alvarez do against Tiago Moises the last time he was in the octagon. And I, I mean, I walked away from that like, holy cow. Look, I mean... This guy can make weight, as you said. Look out, 155. This dude's a legitimate player. And look, Sarukian is a legitimate uh, top 15 guy in that weight class as well. I've been so torn on this one, and part of me was like, just go opposite, because I, I'm i not going to be mad at having either side of this, because I feel like it, it could be that close. If if I had been the one going first, my pick would be Sarukian, because of what you said. I think, like, what do I have the most confidence in happening inside that octagon and it's it's probably Saruki inside but um I'll roll the dice here I, I I don't I don't hate having Joel Alvarez in this matchup and uh you know there was what I liked about him especially in that Tiago Moises fight it, it well it just kind of felt like there was a violence yeah to, to oh, yeah. what he had in the octagon and and if you're able to to keep Sarukian from from taking you down and and just the the ability to manage distance and and the size difference th- that could be really interesting. So I was prepared to go Sarukian, but uh, I don't I don't hate the Joel Alvarez side of this, and I will take the underdog Joel Alvarez in this 155 banger. That as you mentioned, uh, I think you make the argument is is uh, the second best f- fight on the entire card. You know, I, I definitely know that I'm going to see these two at the weigh-ins. They're going to square off, and I'm automatically going to feel like I shouldn't have made that yeah. pick. <laughs> because I do, the, size, the size difference is going to be just incredible to see uh, in person or just to see it live. I do also get a bonus point with him. Uh, oh, never mind. It's plus one. I was looking at uh, minus 225, and I was like, oh, yeah, no, that's he's plus 180, so never mind. Almost. Almost, <laughs> yeah. I looked at his name and then looked at the 225 number, and that it went on the same line. So never mind. I'm I'm an idiot. I can't see. <laughs> um, okay, so moving on quickly, as I've embarrassed myself. Moving on quickly. No, no, no. Hey, it happened to me just a second ago. I thought I had a three-point lead, but it's only two. And there I we was go. There we go. So we're, we're even. Call it even. Real pros over here. <laughs> right. We are. <laughs> All right, we have uh, female flyweights. Priscilla, you may have to help me with this one. Uh, Kashera, not sure the pronunciation there. And we have Kim ji Yon. Kim Ji Yan is minus two twenty five. Priscilla is plus one eighty eight. Um. Well, uh, you know, Priscilla's been in there with a lot of uh, tough, 
tough gals. Like she uh, welcomed Valentina into the octagon. Um, but I think that um, Kim, I'm just gonna call her Kim. Okay. Uh, I think she's, uh, I think she's got a little bit of an edge when, in the striking department. Um, she's had a tough time in the UFC, but um, I think in this matchup they're very close stylistically. But I think uh, Kim's gonna get the nod here. I think she's gonna uh, get us probably a decision win, but I wouldn't be surprised at a finish. I will side with you on this one as well. Give me Kim G. Yan over Priscilla. I'm not going to attempt the last name again. Uh, I've embarrassed myself enough. <laughs> All right. Our co-main event of this fight night card takes us to the middleweight division as we have. I almost said light heavyweight. And then uh, yeah. as I saw Misha Serkinov's name, we have Misha Serkinov. Do you want to just say it now? I, man, I don't know, man. Damn it, Misha. <laughs> and Wellington Terman. Oddshark.com has Misha Serkinov at minus 118, and it is minus 110 for Wellington Terman, Will. I mean, this is as close as it gets without being even. Look, okay, I've picked Misha Serkinov two different times, and he's lost both times. But I look at this fight, and this is a fight that Misha Serkinov should win. Cutting down to 185, um, I forgot who is uh, – oh, uh, Christoph Jaco. Jaco, he's, he's, he's yeah. pretty solid. So, you know, that was a kind of a close fight. You can tell he kind of gassed out. That was his first fight at 85. So I'm going to throw him a bone here. I'm going to throw, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw him a bone because he's very, very skilled, very talented. This is a fight that he should win. If he has kind of got the weight cut kind of under control now, uh, kind of got his uh, gas tank under control at 185, I do think that Mr. Serkinov uh, should get this win here. So I'm going Serkinov, but if he lets me down again, I'm never picking him again. <laughs> so I took Ryan Spann against Misha. That was the origin of Damn It, Misha. I took Jotko <laughs> over Misha, and uh, I've been 2-0 and picking against Misha, and I was totally prepared for you to not go back to that well and take the opposite side of this and go Wellington Terman. I guess you would go to the well with Wellington Terman, but uh, yeah, I'm going Misha Serkinov as well. This is a fight that he should win, man. If it he doesn't a, yeah. win this one, Agreed. Uh, then we then like I don't know what, where he goes from here. But man, he's he was really good at uh, two hundred five. He was ranked. He was in. Uh, I'm not going to say championship contention, but he was. He always had a number next to his name at two hundred five. Beat a lot of tough guys. Um, if he can just get the weight cut under control, um, he could be a player at one eighty five. But yeah, uh, like but like I said, this is a fight he should win for sure. Agreed. Completely agree. All right, our main event on Saturday night takes us uh, to a catch weight of 160 pounds, Will, with, with, with the short notice. Um, this was a fight that originally I was so excited about. Islam Mahashev, Benil Dariush, oh, obviously man. on short notice, Bobby Green following his incredible performance against Nazrat Hakparast steps in and we get, I mean, from a name standpoint, stylistically, I think a, a potentially really fun matchup. Uh, good to see Islam back in the octagon, a guy that is is certainly, you would imagine, next in line for the title following Oliveira and, and Gaethje's matchup. Bobby Green, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. All of a sudden, the guy's been around forever, a ton of experience, but he's gaining momentum. Seems like he's more confident in himself than he's ever been. I, the performance against Hack Parast was uh, nothing short of sensational. Will, uh, the odds don't necessarily speak to this being as uh, exciting as maybe we look at it as, but uh, Islam Mahashev is a minus 450 favorite, plus 350 for King Bobby Green. Now, look, love Bobby Green. Uh, love watching him fight. Love everything that he does. Uh, I've watched Bobby Green for years, and I've always been a fan of his fight style. Uh, he's really been coming into his own. You can tell the maturity has gone up, um, and I think it's really helped his, uh, his, his skills in the octagon, his fight IQ, uh, his defense. Like, I love it all. But um, at, at this point, man, I just think Islam just has it, you know, uh, especially when it comes to this fight being on short notice. I think a guy like Bobby Green needs more time uh, to prepare for someone like Islam. Maybe not because Bobby's been in the, in the game so long. We'll find out Saturday, but um, – I just don't think that uh, he's going to be able to stop Islam's takedowns. Um, I don't. I don't think Islam's going to try to mess with mess around with Bobby Green. I think he knows um, that with a win, uh, he's right. He's going to be right there with, when it comes to title discussion. So I don't think this is a fight he's going to mess around in. Uh, I think he's going to try to get the finish early, and uh, kind of like 
the Dan Hooker situation. Um, I, I, I just don't know. I don't see Bobby Green being able to keep his arm off of him because, you know, those, those Russian guys are so strong. Um, I, I just don't see it, man. I don't see uh, Bobby being able to keep his arm off of him. So this is easily going to be his arm for me. But I, I hope, I really want to see a good showing for, from Bobby Green. I want to see him at least make Islam sweat a little bit. But uh, at the end of the day, I just don't see him be, being able to win it. Because if, if Bobby Green had a knockout power, I think that I would like I would like him a little more in this fight. I still wouldn't pick him, but I would think right. he would have more of a chance if he had that power. But him being a volume guy, uh, you know, he's more, more than likely going to go to a decision. So I just don't see it, man. Five rounds, Islam's going to get to him eventually and, and probably submit him. So my pick is Islam. Um, I, I could almost probably just go back to October, find the podcast that we did where we talked about his matchup with Dan Hooker and everything I said about that. I could probably just insert right here and it would all apply. Um, I'm, I'm with you across the board. Like I like Bobby Green, just like I like Dan Hooker. I hope that Bobby Green has a, a good performance, right? We talked about earlier how a guy like uh, Brian Ortega or a guy like Yair Rodriguez gained positive momentum even from their, their losses because they had a great showing against an elite guy. I hope that's the case with Bobby Green in this fight as well. I, I hope that we see Bobby Green get positive momentum out of pushing Islam as far as anybody has. Unfortunately, like I said with the Dan Hooker fight, and you were here actually for, for that fight card. Yeah. Unfortunately, my only question with this fight is this, and this was my only question with the Dan Hooker fight. How long can Bobby Green prevent Islam from taking him down? Because whenever this thing goes to the ground, I feel like that's when it's over. So if he's able to keep yeah. him off for an entire round and then it goes to the, like when, when I feel like when Islam gets him down, that the fight's going to end. Yeah. Um, just like with Dan Hooker, as soon as yeah. the fight hit the ground, uh, Islam was able to just overpower him. Like the, the, the power difference, the strength difference in that fight was just glaring. Uh, and now Dan Hooker's down at 45. Um, but you know, Bobby Green's he's, he's been around a long time, but I just don't think he's fought the level of grappler, even with all of his fights in strike force and all of his fights yeah. in the UFC, he hasn't fought the level of grappler that Islam is. And at, even at this point in his career, you know, he just fought uh hack Rast and he beat ally Quinta. You know, those are, those are great wins. But, um, you know, I thought that, you know, Bobby Green should get, should be in a main event for all of the, you know, the, the blood, sweat and tears Absolutely. That, he, uh, yeah. that he shed over the years. But this one, you know, against Islam, you know, I was thinking more of like a Brad Riddell. Yes, yes. <laughs> but like this one is like way, you know, out of the out of the realm of, of what I thought was possible. I mean, I, I mean, he saw the opportunity and took it. But this, that's a big jump. Pack Rash to to Islam, who's number three or four in the division. Yeah. And Bobby Green hadn't fought anyone ranked. Well, he fought Fazeev, which was a pretty good fight. Got to give him credit for that one. But that's more of his style. Uh, someone who's going to stand with him. Islam's grappling is just on another level, man. I just don't see him. Uh, I don't see Bobby Green being able to be successful in what he does best. So it's going to be Islam. Agreed. And look, I'll say this for Bobby Green. This is kind of a no-lose situation, right? You just you fought, what, 10 days ago. Incredible right. performance. Uh, so you're getting a catchweight fight against a guy that is a brutal matchup that's next in line for the title. The last fight against Dan Hooker went two minutes. So, I mean, if you you go longer than two minutes, you've already done more than, than Dan Hooker did the last time. Um yeah, I, I think this is kind of a, you know, good for Bobby Green to take this and, and put that challenge in front of himself. Um, I, I don't think anybody feels like if he loses this that all of his momentum is gone. So I, I like that he's giving him this challenge. And, and my comments about him going down and it being over has nothing to do with Bobby Green and has everything to do with right. how above and beyond Islam is on the ground from everybody in that division. That's not a Bobby Green thing. That's a Islam is better than everybody in the division. Maybe not named Benil Dariush. Uh, in that realm. So what I will say is, you know, we did ask the question about Dan Hooker because of the length and the elbows and the knees. Could that be an element where he prevents Islam from taking him down for a period of time? But again, we both said once Islam gets him down, it's over. Bobby Green's quickness could be a factor here in prolonging this fight, right? I, I, I don't think that this is going to be a Bobby Green win. I think that at some point Islam will get him down and that will be the end of the fight. But Bobby Green is so quick. And so fast that, um, you know, I, I'll just be curious to see how long it takes Islam and what the what the uh, what the plan will be. Right. Does you mentioned Bobby Green not necessarily having knockout power? Does Islam just say, like, I'm, I'm not afraid of getting knocked out and just I mean, go just rush him out of the gate and try and smother him so that you don't start playing the game and allowing Bobby Green to kind of find a rhythm and 
and uh, you know be the the quick elusive guy that he is. Because I, I mean, in terms of being elusive, he might be the most elusive guy in that entire division. Um, that's the one element that I think is interesting in terms of how long this fight will go. But yeah, Islam is is just another breed, man, another animal in that division where you have just a ton of incredible stand-up guys that can put on a fight of the night any any night of the week. And then you've got this one outlier that is just uh, as good on the ground as anybody in, in the entire sport. Yeah, you know, I think it just depends on how Islam is going to approach it. I think uh, he could go out there and just smother him and get him down early. Um, or if he or if you know, try to just play it safe and kind of just see what Bobby Green does first and then just try to uh, smother him in, in the later rounds. We saw him do that against uh, Drew Dover. Uh, he didn't uh, submit him right away. It took him a few rounds. Um, but, you know, Bobby Green, like you said, he is fast, but I just don't think he's strong enough. Um, yeah. I think the I think the strength is just so uh, so much in Islam's favor. Uh, but I will say it will be interesting to see how long Bobby Green can keep it standing because we weren't able to see that with Dan Hooker because um, there was like I, I, I forgot if he slipped or if uh, Islam landed a punch while he was throwing a kick and knocked him off balance and he fell. But um that just kind of it was kind of of a, just a mistake, and Islam was able to land on top. It wasn't necessarily a takedown, right? Um, so if Islam is having to initiate these takedowns and just having to shoot, like can Bobby? How long can Bobby Green keep him off of him? Can he uh, defend the takedown and then you know try to land something you know in the striking exchanges? It'll be it'll be interesting to see, but like like we're saying, man, it's just going to be a matter of time in my mind. Uh, maybe Bobby Green can surprise us, but. Yeah. As much as I would love for that to happen. I hope he does. I, I really Honestly, I hope yeah. he does. Yeah, I, I hope he does. Like, Bobby Green has been in this sports for so long. He's been um, one of the more skilled guys in the lightweight division for, for years. Um, and he's finally getting his due now. And he's been in the game for so long. So I would love to see uh, Bobby Green shock the world. But it, it, he's going to have to shock the world. Like, this, if Islam wins, that's just uh, another day in the office. We expect that. But... Um, yeah, I would love to see Bobby Green shock the world. It would yeah. be just, it would be uh, an incredible story because all Islam, I think, I think we both picked Islam as our lightweight champion for 2022 at the end of 2022. You might have picked Gaethje, but I know I picked Islam. Yeah, I think I picked Gaethje just because at that point in time, we weren't even sure they hadn't like officially even landed on if Gaethje was going to be next. And then the timeline for me was by the time that actually happens and then you're able to come back around to Islam getting his chance, would that even happen this year? So, while I, I thought that Islam is probably the next title holder when he does get his chance, I, I kind of guessed that that would probably take place in 2023. So, Yeah, so Islam is the guy that most everyone has as their as a future lightweight champion. Like, he, it's only a like I 100% believe he will have that belt at some point. Exactly, yeah. So, like, everyone in the world thinks that. Like, he, he is Khabib 2.0. Um, just, like, he might have better skills than Khabib. Uh, maybe not a, 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 as much of an a, aggressive style, but he's probably more skilled on the ground. He's probably more skilled with his takedowns. He's probably more skilled on the feet. But if Bobby Green were to get this done, like how great of a story would that be? be? Incredible. I mean, he's not even ranked right now, but say he beats Islam, I should give him a fucking title shot. I, why not? Like if he, if he beats Islam, yeah, give him a damn title shot because if he beats Islam, those matchups with Gaethje and Charles, Ol not, not, maybe not Charles Oliveira, but especially Gaethje, that's a fight Bobby Green could win. So that's more his style for sure. Dude, Bobby Green stylistically matches up with all the top dudes in this division really well, right? Like, how good would a Bobby Green-Michael Chandler fight be? How oh, good man. would a Bobby Green-Justin Gaethje fight be? I mean, oh, it, Bobby, Bobby Green's fought Dustin Poirier, but, I mean, thinking about where those two guys are at this point in their careers, how good would that fight be again? Uh, all the top dudes, right? He's We saw what the Fazeev fight looked like. Like, he, he just yeah. matches up so well with the top guys in this division because they're all... They're all such great stand-up war guys that Bobby Green's kind of in his element against those dudes. Yeah, and then he's talking. She's talking shit to you. I mean, he's he's blocking all your shots. He's uh, slipping out of the way of all your shots and, and laughing at you, kind of. Um, I think he's kind of toned it down a little bit because, but when he was younger, it was really bad. Uh, but you know, now uh, with 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 Nashra, I think Nashra was initiating the the trash talk, and Bobby Green just really took it to him. Yeah, I think if we were able to see that against a Michael Chandler, who's such a warrior, uh, I mean, those fights would just be phenomenal, man. I, I mean, this is just uh, like if lightning strikes, I think that's what it would take for Bobby Green to win. But I yeah. would love to see it, man. But, you know, as of now, it, it's Islam's time. But, you know, I would love to see Bobby Green shock the world. 
All right, man. First two fights on the main card are uh, the fights that uh, have points up for grabs. Um, before we get off here, uh, prelims, what stands out? Well, let me see. Um, oh, absolutely. Uh, Terrence McKinney, uh, that guy, I've been wanting to see him fight since his last one. Since uh, the debut, yeah. Debut, that one-two just put the guy down. I think that was uh, the fastest knockout in a debut, I believe. Uh, Matt Favola. Yeah, uh, I've been wanting to see see that uh, see him fight again for so long, but he's had COVID. He's had you know things just bring him take him out of the fights. He's finally back on Saturday. I'm excited for that one. Um, it's going to be a very fun night of fights. Uh, then I think Alejandro Perez and Jonathan Martinez at bantamweight is going to be fun. Yeah, you know, like I always say, there's always a fight card and there's always a bantamweight that's going to shine through. And I think that we're going to see that again with those two guys. And I think that fight's going to be a war. So those two fights for sure. Death taxes and bantamweight division giving us an awesome fight in the prelims, right? Absolutely. For sure. All right, buddy. Uh, that is it for this week. Um, I wish you bad luck on this fight card. I need to catch up. Maybe even the uh, the point total going into next week's pay-per-view, but uh, always good stuff. And Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal next week, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're 10 days away, but you know, as that fight gets closer, man, I mean, the, the intrigue is just going to level up by the day. Can't wait. That whole car is stacked. It's going to be great. Ten days away, man. That's Will Brewer. I'm Colby Daniels, and we will talk again next week. Podcast is over.